One of the common features of living in Addis is that Addis is being built. There are a lot of constructions that are going on. Wherever you go, I live in Bulbula area, we have so many constructions. One day there is nothing, the next day there are big houses. One of the things that surprises me is some of these buildings are finished rather quickly while the others are taking a long time to finish. And I wonder and ask, what is the secret? What is the reason? Some are finished quickly and the others are not. And you may have a project like that. You may have started doing something, you may have started building something, and for some reason, it's not finished. Several years ago, my wife and I, long time ago, we started building a house. Uh, thinking that we have enough funds to finish, to complete the work. But we didn't even reach or complete the foundation when we ran out of money. So you can imagine our project is standing still. We, we overestimate our capacity and underestimate what it takes to complete the project. So it is with our discipleship journey. We underestimate the cost of following Jesus, what it takes, and overestimate our capacity to follow him all the way until the end. The passage that we are going to read today is going to challenge us to get the right estimate. What does it take to follow Jesus? What does it cost to follow Jesus? The call to follow Jesus is a single-minded obedience to follow him all the way. A single-minded com uh, commitment to all of his teachings. His, unique, his call is very unique. It's not like any other call. In a sense that his, his call demands us to follow him and him alone. It's not like I can follow Jesus and do other things. I can do other things and follow Jesus. So the question before us is, is the gospel of Jesus central in our lives? Have we sat down and determined the cost, what it takes to follow him, what's involved in giving ourselves to him? What are some of the things that are standing in the way as we follow him fully? So these are some of the things that we will be thinking as we follow along in our text for this morning. So our text for us comes from Luke chapter 14. If, he, if I may ask you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 14, starting from verses 25 up to 35. Now a great crowd accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, and wife and children and brothers and sisters yes and even his own life he cannot be my disciple whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it otherwise when he has laid a foundation, is not able to finish, all who see it began to mock him, 
saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way of, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but salt has but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile it thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the word of God for the people of God, and God's people say, praise be to God. You may be seated. For those of you desiring to follow an outline, my outline looks like the, the disciple, the cost, and the warning. These are the three things that we are going to look together. The story began somewhere um, while Jesus is going to Jerusalem, and a great many crowds were following him. You know, in those days, it's very common for Jesus to draw large crowds of people. And it is not surprising. Why are people following Jesus? He's a great miracle worker. He feeds them. He teaches them. He's a great teacher. He taught them as someone who had authority over them. He heals their sicknesses. One of my teachers uh, like to call this the 3D ministry of Jesus. He deals with disease, death, and demon. So Jesus was a great miracle worker, and a lot of people were attracted to his work. To some, it may be a show. They don't want to miss a show. You remember in the Gospel of Luke chapter 9, Jesus fed the 5,000, and they only counted the men. If you counted the women, you can imagine how many people there would be. So Jesus had this great crowd following him. They were accompanying him, and he turned to them and wondered, why are these people following me? He knew that he's going to Jerusalem. He knew what awaits for him in Jerusalem. He's going to be tried, persecuted, and convicted for the sins that he never committed, for the sins that you and I committed. Why are we following Jesus? Is the question that I would like to pose for us this morning. Why are we following Jesus? There is a right way to follow Jesus, and maybe there is not so right way to follow Jesus. And Jesus wants us to follow him knowing what's involved in that endeavor. So who is a disciple? We all want to be followers of Jesus. We want to be called disciples of Jesus. That's the name I, I want to be called and known. I'm sure that you also want to be known. So who is a disciple? It's, a, it's someone who comes to Jesus, makes Jesus Lord and Savior of their lives, and follows him all the way until the end. 
at IEC, we, you also remember that our desire is to become a community of disciples, discipling the nations for the glory of God. It's a beautiful picture. As I can look out from here, you come from so many nations and nationalities. That's the beautiful thing about IEC. We're from every tribe and every nation come together and sit and appear and stand before the throne of God. IEC, we have what we call the, the four M's. I think it's better if we refresh our memories. How do we become disciples? How do we help one another in this discipleship journey? The first M is we meet Christ, we meet Jesus. We want everyone who comes to IEC to have a personal encounter with Christ. We want you to meet Jesus. It's good that you meet the pastor, but primarily we want you to meet Jesus. We want you to see Christ and meet him. But we don't want you to stay there, but we want you also to grow and mature in Christ. And not only mature in him, but as you are maturing, we want you to be mobilized and equipped for ministry in the kingdom of God. That's why we have people here who are desiring to go out. One of our elders who was here, Melusi, he told me that as he's going back, I think we, maybe a few weeks ago, we sent him back to his home country, to Zimbabwe. One of the things he told me was, as he's going back, he's desiring to continue to minister in God's harvest field. The things that he has learned here is going to help him, enable him, equip him to do the works of ministry. And that's how we are going to multiply and reach the nations. So this is the four aims that we as IEC try to use as a model in helping us all to become disciples of Jesus. So the question is, are we a disciple of Christ? You know, we say that people follow Jesus for all sorts of reasons. Some followed him casually, half-heartedly, out of curiosity. What can I get out of it? Partially, without commitment, or impulsively? How are you following Jesus? I believe that Christ wants us to follow him seriously, full-heartedly, out of obedience, with an attitude of what can I give? What can I surrender? with complete devotion, with full commitment, and with careful thought. So who is a disciple? A disciple is someone who loves Jesus and follows him all the way. But following Jesus is not an easy matter. It has a cost. It costs us a lot. We remember we sang this song, I surrender. There is cost involved in following Jesus. And Jesus is very explicit in outlining those costs. You remember that there were great crowds following him as he's heading towards Jerusalem. But when he was about to be crucified, how many people were standing next to him? Very few. As he's leading the way, crowds were falling off because they were not willing to pay the sacrifices, the costs involved. So in the next chapter, we're going to look at some of the costs involved in following Jesus.
It's going to be challenging. It's not an easy thing. I've been challenged. I have struggled with this. I hope you are going to be challenged as we go along. So Jesus said the first cost, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his mother, his wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. The first cost is we must be willing to surrender ourselves and our families to him. The word hate is very, very extreme. How can we hate someone? We looked a few weeks ago uh, when we were studying the Good Samaritan story that we were told to love God with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our might, and with all our mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And how can Jesus be saying, hate your family, hate your father, your mother, and uh, your, your mother, father, brother, sister, and everyone? So Jesus is not literally saying hate them. He's requiring us to love him more and love, less, love others less. One of the stories that challenged me comes from the story of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 22, if you remember, Abraham, when he was an old guy, his wife was also an old lady, the Lord blessed them with a the son. They have been praying for this son. He was worried somebody else is going to inherit all his inheritance. And he's been praying. And the Lord blessed them with a son, Isaac. And they were all joyful and excited that finally the Lord answered their prayers. And they have a son. In Genesis chapter 22, it says, Sometime later, God wanted to taste Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. I don't know what must be going through the mind of Abraham as the Lord put this request before him. This was a prayer that was answered, and the Lord is asking him to sacrifice. Verse 9, it says, When they reached the place God told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. You can imagine what must be, going, must, must be going through the mind of Abraham and his son Isaac as he's preparing him, bounding him, and putting him on the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son, his only son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Do not lay a hand on him. Do not do anything. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. God wanted to taste Abraham. 
whether he is loving him more or his son. Matthew, one of my favorite verses, Matthew 10, it says, anyone who loves his father or mother is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So loving Jesus is going to cost us. Putting him first is going to cost us. For the first century Jewish, family and tribal allegiance is very important. So you cannot go out against your family, their beliefs, their, their traditions and, and values. For many of them, following Jesus is going to cost them their family connections. They're going to cut off from their families. I think it is the same. It's true here in, in Ethiopia, in Africa, in, in some parts of Asia as well. That when we put our faith in Jesus, that our families are going to disown us. I know many people who have lost their families or who are cut off from their families because of their faith in Christ. Their families disown them. They say, you are no longer my child, you are no longer my son. Because you have abandoned our tradition, our beliefs. Don't even come near to me. I don't want to see you. And people have paid the cost of losing their families in order to follow Jesus. So Jesus is asking, in comparison to loving your father and mother, you have to love me more. I come first. I cannot have a second place in your life. Jesus deserves the first place and other things come second or third or fourth. What's your first love? What do we spend our time on or doing the most? What are we trying to please? Are we trying to please our spouses? Are we trying to please our children? Are we trying to please our kids, our bosses, our boyfriends or girlfriends? Whom are we trying to please the most? Or are we trying our very best to please Jesus and put him number one in our lives? That's the first cost involved in being a disciple. The second cost is even harder. And he says, anyone who comes, who does not carry his own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Anyone who does not carry his own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem where he will be crucified. His warning to his followers would be to carry our own cross and follow along on his, uh, in his footsteps. He gave us two illustrations. The first one is a builder. The second one is a king. Jesus said, if you desire, if you want to build a tower and does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it, he says, better if you don't start building it. The first parable challenges us to sit down and count the cost involved in following Jesus, in becoming his disciple. 
whether we can afford to follow him or not. Following Jesus is a serious undertaking, one that we should take very seriously. And we need to sit down and think about that carefully. In the second parable, Jesus talks about a king who is going out on a war. And there's someone coming against him who has double the size of his army. And if you are intelligent and careful enough, what do you do? If you have like a, a white handkerchief, you wave it, you know? I surrender. <laughs> I give up. I cannot fight you. What must I do to find peace with you? So the king is asked to sit down and deliberate whether he can afford to reject Jesus. He can't afford to reject Jesus. He is a king. But we find we need to find what are his terms. And he's stating it clearly. Jesus does not want his followers to rush into discipleship. We are all asking, we want you to become a disciple. It's not something that we go into casually. But we have to think of the cost involved. We have to think of the cross that we need to carry. Paul said in, in Philippians, this is one of the books that we studied a few weeks ago. He said, it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. No one wants to talk about suffering and pain and challenge and difficulties. We all want happy endings and all those kind of stories. But if our Lord is going to be crucified for us, we are following in his footsteps. And also Paul said, this was his prayer, he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. I don't know what the cross for each and every one of you looks like. I'm sure that we are all carrying a cross. A burden. The question for us is that this cross leads us to Christ or away from Christ. The third cost that Jesus demands his followers is they must be willing to give up, to renounce, to surrender all they have. You remember the disciples, you know, when Peter and James and John decided to follow Jesus, when he called them, they left everything. It was immediately after they got this boatload of fish, Jesus asked them, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. What did they do? Immediately they left everything and followed Jesus. Also Levi, one of the disciples, he was at the tax booths. He was, a, he was involved in a very lucrative tax business. When Jesus asked him to follow him, he immediately left everything and followed him. It's not like, oh, Jesus, wait, wait a second. I want to finish this business first. Let me get more tax money, and then I will follow you, and I will do all of sorts of things, and then... But he immediately left. Later on, Peter asked Jesus. You know, he was thinking about these things. He has left everything. 
In Mark 10, Peter asked Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. They don't have anything. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or field for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times more. As much in this present age, but in the ages to come. We may be thinking like we, we gave up everything. We will surrender everything for Jesus. But he is saying you will be rewarded even greatly. Hundred times more. What have we given up so that Jesus is central in our lives? What's holding us back from following him all the way? What are we spending our time on? We all have time, whether you are a high-ranking, low-ranking, whether you are a child or an old guy, we all have time. What are we spending our time on? What are we spending our money on? We all have money, whether it is big or small, we all have money to spend on. What have consumed our attention and mind? In this present age, everyone is battling to get our attention. Everyone wants our money, everyone wants our time, and everyone wants our attention. Who deserves this the most? Who deserves this the most? The gospel of grace that we all enjoy is free for everyone. But it is not cheap. It has costed God everything. It has costed him Jesus. And he demands nothing less from us. He wants to be number one in our lives. He wants to be our first love, our devotion and commitment and loyalty should be towards him. He wants to make his agenda, our agenda, and carry the cross and follow him. And he's asking us to renounce, surrender everything to follow him. So these are the four things. We have to hate ourselves and others or love less. We have to bear the cross, come after Jesus, renounce all that we have. This is the cost involved in following Jesus. Knowing this, who wants to follow Jesus? Who wants to follow him? Of course, the disciples failed to follow Jesus until the end. They all left him at that crucial moment. You remember, Peter denied him three times. I don't know him. I've never been with him. I've never seen him. And all the others were not only following him, but they were against him. They were saying, crucify him, crucify him. But the disciples succeeded in following Jesus later on when they received the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus promised, I will give you the Holy Spirit to enable you to follow me and pay the necessary cost to be my disciple. 
We all have the Holy Spirit with us who will enable us and help us in our walks with Him. We cannot pay all of these costs without the help of the Holy Spirit. Following Jesus is costly. Becoming His disciple is costly. It's not walking in the park. It demands everything within us. The last thing is there is a warning if we don't follow him very closely with full commitment, with full obedience. The warning is given to us uh, in a form of a parable. It says, salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It thrown away. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. We all know that salt is good, right? It preserves and it gives good taste. Last night, my wife made a very nice pizza for us. And I had a bite, a first bite, and it was not tasty. Why? Because there was no salt in it. <laughs> salt gives taste. But if salt fails to be salt, then it is useless. It's thrown away. In Matthew 5:13, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trumped by men. You are like salt. I am like salt. As a disciple, if we lack those qualities, then we are rendered useless. Jesus is saying to his would-be followers, your purpose and value and good is measured as long as you're following me. So this is a serious warning to all of us. As Jesus is journeying towards Jerusalem, we all are, whether we recognize it or not, we all are journeying towards Jerusalem. So my brothers and sisters, Following Jesus is a serious undertaking that what we should take very seriously. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. So in conclusion, I would like to encourage you as you are processing these things, as you are processing about the cost involved in following Jesus, I don't want you to be uh, faint-hearted because following Jesus is for the brave, for the risk-taker, for the kingdom-focused. It's not for the casual. It's not for the uncommitted. It's not for the con or for the self-focused. It's for the seeker. It's for the brave. But as we follow Jesus, the encouragement we have is that we have the Holy Spirit with us who is going to enable us and help us in our discipleship journey. So we must desire, we must seek to follow Jesus and follow him all the way. Amen? 
I have a few applications for us, in fact, two applications, as you are processing and thinking about these things. The first application is to sit down and reflect our discipleship journey. What does it look like? In this fast-paced world, there is no time to sit down. Is there a time to sit down? Everything is taking us one after the other. It's like we are constantly on a treadmill. There is no sit time to sit and reflect. Sitting down and, and reflecting is not appreciated, you know? If you sit down, everybody say, what are you doing? Come, let's do something. Don't sit, just sit down. But it is good to sit down and reflect of our Christian lives. It's good to evaluate our walk with Jesus. How has it been? How have we walked before God? Is Jesus our first love? Is, is it reflected in our decisions, in our priorities? Or are we just saying it? What have we given up for the sake of the gospel? It's not so that we get a, a checklist and say, I have given up this for the sake of the gospel. But, it is, but the gospel is costly. What have we given up in order to follow Jesus fully? This is the first application for all of us. As we go back to our places, as we have time, or to find time to reflect, to sit down and think of our journey so far. If we have strayed, then it is time to get back on track. The second application for us is discipleship happens in a community. The call to follow Jesus is personal, but we all need one another as we are journeying through this together. So are you part of a community who are fully committed to follow Jesus? Are you in the right community? Because there is a wrong, a wrong kind of community, a community that's taking you away from Christ, away from Jesus. You have to sit down and think of your communities. What kind of communities are around me? What kind of people am I surrounded with? Are they taking me towards Jesus or away from Jesus? If you, have, if you don't have that kind of community, it's time to look for those. At IEC, we are striving to uh, create such kind of community. In the next few weeks, we will be trying to put you together in some more form of a community. That's why we are asking for you to renew your membership so that we can have your data and help you to come together as brothers and sisters to encourage one another, to motivate one another so that we can journey together. If you are a lone ranger, it's going to be very tough. It's going to be difficult to follow Christ. We need one another in this journey. So my brothers and sisters, as you follow Christ, we have the promise of a Holy Spirit who enables us to go all along the way. So take courage and heart and must be willing to pay the, pen, the, pay the cost of following him. Let's all pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this word. We know what costed you to save us. 
You have given everything for our sake. Lord, the challenge for us this morning is to follow you all the way, to sit down and think of the costs involved in following you. Lord, help us to have the time to sit and reflect, to check our hearts. Who is taking over? Is Jesus our first love, Lord? And to read out all the things that's holding us back from following you fully, Lord. So help us as we do this. Help us to come together as a community of brothers and sisters, willing to support one another, to carry each other's burden, Lord, in this journey. We know that this is a difficult journey, one that takes everything, Lord. Help us to bring everything before you, Lord, and not hold back anything. So we surrender ourselves to you, Lord. May you be pleased in our worship, in our journey with you, and help us to be the kind of men and women that you want us to be. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. God bless you.